One morning in 1867, Eastern Europe was startled by news of the most horrifying description. Michael Obrenovich, reigning prince of Serbia, his aunt, the Princess Catherine of Katinka, and her daughter had been murdered in broad daylight near Belgrade in their own garden, assassin or assassins remaining unknown. The prince had received several bullet shots and stabs, and his body was actually butchered. The princess was killed on the spot, her head smashed, and her young daughter, though still alive, was not expected to survive. The circumstances are too recent to have been forgotten, but in that part of the world, at the time, the case created a delirium of excitement. In the Austrian dominions, and in those under the doubtful protectorate of Turkey, from Bucharest down to Trieste, no high family felt secure. In those half-Oriental countries, every Montaki has its capuletti, and it was rumored that the bloody deed was perpetrated by the Prince Kara Gwerorkovich, or Cerno Gwerorci, as he is usually called in those parts. Several persons innocent of the act were, as is usual in such cases, imprisoned, and the real murderers escaped justice. A young relative of the victim, greatly beloved by his people, a mere child, taken for the purpose from a school in Paris, was brought over in ceremony to Belgrade and proclaimed hospodar of Serbia. In the turmoil of political excitement, the tragedy of Belgrade was forgotten by all but an old Serbian matron who had been attached to the Obrenovich family and who, like Rachel, would not be comforted for the death of her children. After the proclamation of the young Obrenovich, nephew of the murdered man, she had sold out her property and disappeared, but not before taking a solemn vow on the tombs of the victims to avenge their deaths. The writer of this truthful narrative had passed a few days at Belgrade, about three months before the horrid deed was perpetrated, and knew the Princess Katinka. She was a kind, gentle, and lazy creature at home. Abroad, she seemed a Parisienne in manners and education. As nearly all the personages who will figure in this true story are still living, it is but decent that I should withhold their names and give only initials. The old Serbian lady seldom left her house, going but to see the princess occasionally. Crouched on a pile of pillows and carpeting, clad in the picturesque national dress, she looked like the Cumean Sibyl in her days of calm repose. Strange stories were whispered about her occult knowledge, and thrilling accounts circulated sometimes among the guests assembled around the fireside of the modest inn. Our fat landlord's maiden aunt's cousin had been troubled for some time past by a wandering vampire, and had been bled nearly to death by the nocturnal visitor, and while the efforts and exorcisms of the parish pope had been of no avail, the victim was luckily delivered by Gospoja P., 
who had put to flight the disturbing ghost by merely shaking her fist at him and shaming him in his own language. It was in Belgrade that I learned for the first time this highly interesting fact in philology, namely that spooks have a language of their own. The old lady, whom I will call Gospoja P., was generally attended by another personage destined to be the principal actress in our tale of horror.